This is The Exchange, humanizing commerce through post-purchase connection. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Exchange. My name is Tim Buza. Uh, as always, we have my co-host, Alex McEachran. And today we are going to be talking about a very, very exciting topic that I'm sure is very top of mind for all of you in the e-commerce world today. So we know customer experience is everything and a big, big part of that is fulfillment and logistics. So on today's episode, uh, we have CMO of ShipBob, Casey Armstrong. Casey, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. We are excited to chat today. Um, before we get too deep on anything, Casey, wanted to maybe just give you a chance to give kind of a quick overview to the audience of ShipBob, you know, what you guys do and sort of why you're the expert authority on everything we're going to discuss today on the episode. Perfect. So at ShipBob, we are bringing two and three day fulfillment to e-commerce brands all over the world. So we are trying to democratize Fulfillment for brands of all sizes, and we do that through our software, which gives um, you know sellers full visibility into their supply chain and their fulfillment operations. And also, we do that through our fulfillment centers. And so, we actually have 14 fulfillment centers today. We have uh, 12 in the United States. We have one in Canada. We have one over in Europe. We'll be bringing that total number of fulfillment centers by the end of 2021, probably closer to 30 including uh, a few more internationally, such as Europe, Australia, and maybe a few other places that I can't share yet. So yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there for now. That's great. That's how, you, that's how you tease a headline right there. That might end up being the headline for the podcast. <laughs> uh, so I, it's safe to say that you see a lot of shipments, Casey. And uh, I think that's what a good place for us to start here today is one thing we've been getting a ton of questions about over the last little bit is this idea of ship again and ship again happening through the holiday season and i've had a few conversations with brands i've heard people say oh yep we everything went off without a hitch i've had conversations with brands that said it was the worst logistical nightmare ever as someone who's seen this happen across a ton of brands how would you summarize what everyone in the industry was calling ship again i think that that was actually an aptly named uh phrase for what we saw and, you know, like you mentioned earlier, just some information on ShipBob, which shows like why we should actually have like, I don't know, a voice in this. So we, we ship millions of items every single month. And so we see a lot of volume. And Q4 and the peak season was interesting to say the least. And it was really impacting brands of all sizes. Wall Street Journal had a, an interesting piece that got a lot of eyeballs just on how even Nike and Macy's who are you know massive companies got shut down because certain carriers were limiting the amount of items that they would pick up from them. I heard stories of smaller e-commerce businesses that ship, let's say, a thousand plus orders per day, and they were having carriers tell them, "Oh, we can pick up a hundred a day." And what do you do there, especially if you're fulfilling for yourself and you're fulfilling from one location, um, especially after you've already labeled and promised the delivery of all these goods? Um, and then just the three PLs, the carriers, they were seeing, you know, they were exceeding forecasts. I know we, we beat our aggressive forecast and this is happening across the board. Plus then, um, there was the weather that started to pick up. Um, and then I'd say one of the biggest, the, the toughest items was actually getting staff to help make all this happen. And I know that was impacting the carriers, but it was impacting a lot of the three PLs for people to outsource as well, because 
starting when the pandemic really hit. The Amazons and the Walmarts of the world, uh, the major carriers like FedEx, UPS, uh, USPS, DHL, and all the, the large 3PLs such as ShipBob, we were all trying to hire people um, within the warehouses or within the supply chain to help support all this because without the people, it cannot happen. And so I just have so much respect for people in the operations world. But, uh, you know, Shipageddon, it, it definitely was for a majority of the sellers out there. Yeah. And you're seeing, I mean, the shipping carrier times, the amount they're able to pick up. I mean, you guys are my go-to for carrier times. You guys have a fantastic resource. I'll link to that in the show notes that has basically been giving everyone a summary on what we're seeing in terms of shipping times and potential delays. In terms of what you were seeing across everything, was there any industry or area that you think got hit particularly hard by this compared to everyone else? Not, nothing, honestly, that stands out to me. I know we started also publishing a lot of our industry or vertical data back in March um, when the pandemic hit because there were, if you go to like trends.shipbob.com, I actually am not sure the last time we updated that, um, but there were you know certain industries like apparel that got hammered very early on because why were people um, you know buying clothes and they're stuck inside all the time? But I know apparel and, and other industries have bounced back. Um, obviously, there are things such as workout equipment that's been on fire lately. But in, in regards to those that have got hurt very badly, none that really stick out to me other than you know obviously certain industries like the restaurant world. Um, and just e-commerce in general has been like semi-therapeutic, I think, for people, especially if they don't, you know, their disposable income, they can't spend it on travel and everything. They've just been buying a lot of goods online. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens in 2021. Yeah, that that has personally been my excuse of like, well, I'm not spending X amount of dollars on train tickets to get into the city every single month. So why not spend it on like a new shirt or something like that? I know I've, <laughs> I've, played, I've, I've jumped through those mental hula hoops of not saving that money and spending it instead. There's a fascinating article. I should send you guys this afterward and you can throw in the show notes that the New York Times actually published on where people... Uh, basically money in and money out. And so where people are able to save money, the impact on wages and who's been most impacted there, and then on savings and how it reflects into just the greater economy and the stock market. And it's fascinating when they zoom out and look at it from like a macro perspective. And one of the things that is called out is, you know, the, the amount of money people are spending so much more on, of course, groceries but the cost savings on things such as not eating at restaurants, which is very unfortunate, obviously, for that industry, not traveling, uh, the lack of money spent on entertainment. It's just, it's just mind-blowing to see across you know, the scale of the entire U.S., and then, of course, how much of that is feeding into e-commerce or other industries. Yeah, that's fascinating. You should send it over to us. So not only we can put it in the show notes, but so I can have something to read when I feel bad for spending like hundreds of dollars on things that I don't really need by shopping <laughs> online. It'll make me feel better, if nothing else. Um, you know, speaking of macro trends, one of the things that we, you know, we hear quite a bit being, you know, being in the returns and exchanges space is that um, you know, we're in the middle of what we call return season. So everyone has done all their shopping, but you know, really the time between the holidays and, and mid January is when returns really, really spike. So I'm curious kind of from you, from your perspective and your seat in all of this, we know carriers geared up pretty hard for the influx of holiday shipments out, but how do you see them being prepared for shipments coming back? So like reverse logistics back to these e-commerce brands, like have you noticed any trends there? 
I think it's slightly too early for maybe me to have a, a strong view on that. Um, the early data that we're seeing from the, the carrier index uh, that we published, which you mentioned earlier, is that um, delivery speeds have actually gotten worse over the last two weeks, which I expected them to course correct very quickly after the holidays and after the new year and start getting back to that kind of pre-COVID levels um, which is where a lot of the carriers did a great job of getting themselves before Black Friday, Cyber Monday hit, and that carried through the end of the year. And the reason why I don't have a strong opinion is because I'm not sure like what the crux of that issue is. And is it because they're handling returns, which are oftentimes complex or very time intensive? Uh, I believe you guys might have a little bit more data on that than I do. But it has been interesting to see, you know, at, at the at the scale and numbers that we're looking at, to see all of the carriers, it's not like one specific carrier, but to see the carriers across the entire network actually struggling over the last couple of weeks. And as of, as of right now, at least, I don't have a good answer on the why and returns could be you know, at the heart of that. Yeah, we'll give it some time and we'll we'll publish what we're seeing as well. But that very well could be it because we do like at Loop, we do see returns start to spike about two weeks after Black Friday. So that's when we start to see returns really pick up and they are at their highest in those couple days after Christmas. So it could be that we're seeing both shipments going out right now and these shipments coming back and that's putting an additional strain on those carriers. Um, but yeah, we'll have to give it another week or two to really see what's going on. But I'm definitely feeling it because I didn't actually experience any problems getting my orders for the holidays. But every order I've placed since has been delayed. Interesting. Yeah, I actually was not impacted either. And I was pretty good at ordering earlier than usual, but I procrastinated, of course, at times as well. Uh, again, I think that's just hat tip to the carriers and what they were able to pull off and, and everybody who works there. Uh, but yeah, since then, um, I know Amazon and Walmart are struggling on the returns as well. And you know they're, they're the leaders in the e-commerce space. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. And with everything that we talked about, the carriers did a really good job of kind of gearing up in the after COVID and heading into the holidays, do you think there's anything that we've experienced, we've seen over these last couple months that brands should really be paying attention to as we move into 2021? Like, What did we learn about shipping and fulfillment over these last couple months that brands should be paying way more attention to now than they were before? I, I think that it's the importance of offering a great experience that goes beyond just the website. Um, it's It's not just offering... Like with, with ShipBob, as I think about it, people might visit your website and you know they want to buy directly from from you, the brand. And it's this beautiful website. They're able to find their item and check out maybe even one click from a digital wallet like uh, Amazon Pay or Shop Pay or PayPal. And but then it's this very disjointed experience after the purchase because they they want that Amazon they they want the custom they want the personalization of why they're buying from you but they want that Amazon level experience. And so they're able to go through and check out quickly, but then it takes them you know, seven to 10 days to get it. And maybe they paid an arm and a leg to get it. And so I think brands are really seeing that a lot more and how that can be a differentiator for them. Um, and so they need to take that seriously. And I think that's you know where companies like ShipBob and uh, Loop have been able to benefit from that um, because we're trying to provide that level of service for all of these brands. Uh, and then I think it's it's having partners that can help them navigate these curveballs that are getting thrown at them left and right. These you know brands should unless unless these people have unless the founders have deep operations expertise, 
They should focus on marketing and sales and product development and community building. They shouldn't necessarily have to be worrying about fulfillment and picking and packing items and negotiating with the carriers on better rates. And then when uh, a certain carrier tells them, hey, we only can we can only pick and ship a hundred of your items per day when you've when you just sold several thousand, like that's not something that they should have to to navigate uh, all the time. And then throwing things like uh, you know, there were there were hurricanes and the Northeast got pretty much frozen over. And so again, it's finding the right partners that can help them navigate that and also building like redundancies into their supply chain. So maybe they don't have all of their goods in one area. Um, maybe their goods are spread across multiple areas, which should also allow them to ship more inexpensively and get their items to the end consumer faster as well. It's like listening to you talk about the way all of the logistics and fulfillment focused uh, uh, topics that you just touched on, the way that you were talking about it was all through the lens of customer experience, which like that has been a huge trend that we've been seeing in how returns are thought of and, and our brands that in our opinion really are thinking about it the right way, that returns are just as important part of your customer experience as how easy it is to buy from you. Um, and, you know, I'm sort of curious. How has, how has sentiment changed there from your perspective? Like, what are you hearing differently maybe today than you were, you know, uh, a, a year ago from, from sellers? This is perfect because there's going to be an episode coming out next week that is talking exactly about this. So I will link to that in the show notes as well. But I'd say over the last year, in terms of how this sentiment is changing, you're going from people looking at returns as strictly a cost center. It's how do I minimize the costs of what's happening on the returns front? And over the last year, we've really seen things transition to how do I create, how do I turn my returns process into part of the shopping experience? How do I make that in an extension of everything that I'm doing? And what we're seeing really happen out there in the industry is returns were seen as bad, but now we're seeing returns thought of in kind of different groups. So you're seeing people thinking about returns as a breakdown into exchanges and refunds. And hey, refunds might be bad, but exchanges are great. Exchanges are a way to keep that relationship alive and make sure that someone's getting into that perfect product. And if you look at returns like that, you actually see that it's an LTV or a customer lifetime value play rather than just a, hey, we need to minimize all the costs that are happening on that front. I, I love that. I, lo- I like seeing the innovation in like the exchanges space on um, through returns. Uh, and it's, but yeah, just like you said, as a brand, you don't want to give that money back. It's so expensive to buy to, to get a customer. Um, and then, of course, to retain a customer long time or for a long time. So it's, yeah, it's great to see what you guys are building out there. And what we're doing on the return side, like we obviously we've talked at length on this podcast and on our blog about how to turn returns into the experience. Do you have any maybe thoughts on turning shipping and fulfillment into an extension of the customer experience? Like, do you think there's any brands out there that are being super forward thinking about how they like communicate, market, talk about shipping and fulfillment? Trying to think if any come to mind. Again, I know we uh, we worked we were. We erred on the side of transparency with our customers, just making sure that from any potential delays or issues or when things were getting better that they could see and then helping them figure out how to communicate to their end consumer. And so is that uh, you know, in the navigation section of your website? Is that on a, shipping, a dedicated shipping and fulfillment page? Is that in an email to your customer base? And so I think a lot of companies just continue to like air more on the side of like transparency and what's going on there. 
Um, I think what's interesting, and again, I'm probably biased from from where I sit, but what's interesting with a lot of brands are doing is that they're using their forward or re- forward or reverse logistics execution um, even earlier in the customer journey. So, and by that I mean bringing it to the ad level. And so maybe they're even showcasing, you know, that free shipping or two-day shipping or free two-day shipping or some uh, information on their returns all the way at the ad level, whether that be through Facebook and Instagram or whether that be through Google Shopping or through another channel. People keep bringing up higher and higher up into the customer journey on the website, which is interesting in how they do that. Uh, but I think uh, it's it's a rather new thing on those platforms to really showcase what you're doing for forward and reverse logistics at the ad level. Yeah, we, we actually, you saying that made me think of, so Allbirds is a customer of, of ours, of, of Loops, and we see them doing that in their ads. And it's really interesting that they... they um, They'll have ad copy that talks about uh, their their shipping policies or the fact that there's free returns and exchanges, um, so you can find the product that you like. and And back to to you know your question to us around like what trends are we seeing? I think Alex hit the nail right on the head, and it, it ties in really nicely with what you just talked about. Where we're just seeing people, you know, smart brands are thinking about all of this stuff in both like forward and reverse logistics, whether it's shipping fulfillment or returns. That is all part of the same customer experience that um, that consumers are are they're not necessarily thinking of those things differently. If it's easy to buy from you, it should be easy to return. It should be easy to get the shipment from you. Um, so we see that time and time again. And and Allbirds is who comes to mind for me is that they they put it right front and center in their copy. Um, and I think that you know because brand because uh, Amazon has conditioned consumers to for everything to be seamless, simple, and free. Um, it's, it is a little bit of an uphill battle for e-commerce brands, but the ones who are smart about it and the ones who understand that experience is the differentiator, we, we tend to see them falling into the camp of what you just talked about there. Yeah. And, and I think, and you, you did not ask me this, but, uh, I think what's another interesting, I guess, trend or thing that I'm seeing is also the kinds of brands that are coming online lately. And you're seeing some of these influencers, maybe in the YouTube or TikTok space or or other mediums, that uh, are are launching their own brands because they have these massive audiences. And I think in the past, they'd often launch these like quick swag stores with like cheapy hoodies or T-shirts or something like that. You know, maybe even use like a, a Printful, which is a great solution for certain things, just to ship stuff out. Where now there are these e-commerce enablement solutions like a ShipBob. Uh, like a loop, uh, like a handful of the e-commerce platforms out there, where r- relatively quickly and inexpensively, people, especially those with a with an audience already, can as, as long as they can manufacture the right items, and, and there's a lot of technology getting thrown out over there, is is build these these real brands like seemingly overnight. And provide this this world class customer experience where they're not just putting up like a like a cool store that looks good, but they are able to provide again that that Amazon level of experience at the um, forward and reverse logistics side, um, while still owning all of the customer data and the customer experience and the, and the unboxing experience and all of that as well. So we told a few of our uh, listeners uh, that we communicate with that we were going to have you on the show and we asked them to submit a few questions to us to ask to you. So we got a bunch, but here are a few that we thought um, would be good for the show. 
Question number one from our listeners uh, is what signals should a brand look for that would tell them that it might be time to consider owning their own warehouse and handle their own fulfillment versus you know going through a ship bob or going through a third-party logistics provider? So I believe these brands would well one maybe baked into the you know the the founders is they have some type of comp- competitive advantage based off of their operational experience to to own the supply chain or the fulfillment. Um, and then another might be if they need, again, and hopefully they've got some of this embedded in the, in, into their DNA uh, anyways, is extreme customization or personalization. And so uh, I believe it was Adam's, um, the shoe brand that competes with Alberts, who I know you guys work with, where at least at the beginning, because we we spoke to them, um, what they wanted to offer was we you order whatever a size thirteen. Well, we're going to ship you three or four sizes that are plus or minus um, a little bit, and you keep one and you ship three of them back from to outsource. That type of logistics is pretty complex, especially because like what's the wear and tear when the people wear it? How are you going to stock that back? Also, then you're going to actually ship multiple items, even though they only ordered one. Uh, again, there's just a lot of like customization there. And so I think in that world, it might make sense to own it or work with somebody where you seemingly own the entire experience. Um, and so, yeah, that's I'd, I'd say one example to look at is when you just really need to own like extreme customization. And another question that we got from our listeners is... They wanted to know a bit more about marketing the shipping experience. So you already touched on this a bit um, in an earlier question, but I feel like you can't go to a website now without seeing free shipping or at least free shipping at past a certain threshold listed somewhere on the site. Are we at a point now where that's just kind of assumed? And if we are, what what do we do now from marketing kind of like a shipping and fulfillment standpoint? I'd say... I, I don't know if that's common across most brands. I mean, you think about how many how many sellers there are on Shopify and BigCommerce and WooCommerce and Wix and Squarespace and the long tail. You know, that's millions of companies. And so I don't think a lot of them have gotten to that point yet. And so I actually very still true, think very that true. free shipping and fast and free free shipping and free fast shipping is still is still a differentiator. And again, you can bring it all the way up into the ad level and through the experience. And then I think the next the next evolution is really uh, additional transparency to the customers. Um, and again, that's something we're focusing on from the data that we have and from the the data we can actually push out through our API, API endpoints for our customers as they want to continue to provide more visibility to their customers in the post-purchase experience. Um, and so I think that will be an interesting trend is, is how, do, how do these merchants open up their operations even more from a visibility perspective so that their customers can be, you know, part of that journey. And is there any is there anywhere in that kind of post-purchase transparency? Like is there anywhere where you think it's vital to be communicating? Like if you were if you were to pick one thing that happens kind of after you make that purchase, what do you think brands should really be focusing on in that communication? Well I think what's important that and where a lot of like the mainstream narrative was lost during the peak season um, of 2020 was because to, to really simplify the supply chain, there's what happens in like the fulfillment center. 
So when an order comes in, when it's actually picked and then handed off to the carrier, and so let's say that's one leg, and then the second leg would be, what does the carrier do with it? And so oftentimes people can get visibility from when the carrier scans that package and where it is in the, in the, in the journey, um, but they don't necessarily know what's happening in the fulfillment center or where it's getting picked and packed. And so I think that there's a lot of uh, opportunity there for transparency because maybe the brand picked and packed it you know, within the hour and handed it off to the carrier, but then the carrier is taking seven days to deliver it. Uh, because of everything you know going on, and so I think getting that level of transparency is important because then they can then they know the brand's at least looking out for them. Um, that being said, during this peak season, the carriers were not often scanning the goods, and so uh, from a visibility standpoint, that made it a little bit more difficult. But again, I think that's where there's some opportunity. Um, and then last question that we got from our listeners, and then then we'll we'll wrap up is. You know, we're doing a January podcast, so uh, what what podcast would be complete without asking for predictions? But we did get a few questions where you know they were just curious what you thought. Um, you know, from your perspective, some key trends to be looking out for over the course of 2021. Like, if you could, if you could go into your crystal ball, like where do you think we're where do you think we're headed as an industry? I think the number one company to keep an eye on in e-commerce is Facebook. I, I'm. Interesting. I'm fascinated to see what they do in 2021. Um, I'll leave it there for right now. Um, I think that that the D2C brands going public or maybe not getting acquired for larger multiples than they were expecting, especially those that got VC money, um, took a pretty big hit on the chin, at least in early 2020 but you're seeing some brands do rather well. And so not to get too deep in here and jump on like the certain bandwagon trends, but I think um, just through some of these modern holding companies and seeing uh, what's happening with like SPACs, I think it'll be interesting. I think, I think this could be a very solid year to show what like a, a true outcome could be for a larger D2C brand. Um, so just, um, excited to see what happens there. And then, um, like I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I, I just, I, I think if the pandemic brought anything to our space, it's innovation and creativity. Um, and I love seeing what some of these younger sellers are doing and these people that, I don't know, maybe they call themselves influencers and they live in a world that like, I don't, <laughs> uh, cause I'm not in my teens or twenties anymore. And, um, and so I just love to see the stuff that they roll out, like Mr. Beast and, and the, I think he launched a bunch of burgers around to, um, people like Emma Chamberlain and the coffee company that she rolled out and just how they're, they're building these real brands really quickly. And it's not some fly by night, buy my t-shirt. And like, I do this on this social media platform, but they're building like real brands. I mean, Travis Scott's the best example of somebody who one 2020 but I, I i can't wait to see what these people who i've never even heard of before roll out uh in the next couple of years and also like how they go to market and and whatnot and there's just so much stuff to steal from there i, I that i'm excited to see that yeah absolutely the 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 concept of of linear commerce is very very real and like the mr beast example is perfect travis scott 
I like almost hadn't even thought of that, but that's another one that that makes makes a whole lot of sense. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, I was gonna say if we had thirty more minutes, there's so many things in there, Casey, that I'd love to unpack with you a bit further. But um, I think this is a good place to wrap with with our episode today. So I just wanted to quickly summarize what Casey was talking about today. We started off talking about ship again. Um, it did happen from what Casey saw. It was pretty bad. We saw pretty much everyone hit in some way logistically by ship again during the holidays. Also, interestingly, shipping times are creeping back up again. Um, we have some speculations on why that's happening. Could be returns related. Um, between ShipBob and Loop, we should be able to update on that in the next couple of weeks. And on the shipping and fulfillment side, customer experience is key. It's got to be a part of how you're marketing, transparency, communication. You need to make sure that you are being very clear with your customers through your marketing and communication on the shipping and fulfillment side. And Casey, before we let you go, is there anywhere where people can kind of follow along with you or with ShipBob, Twitter, LinkedIn, a blog, anything you want to point people towards? I mean, as always, come check us out, ShipBob.com. If you have questions for me, see Armstrong at ShipBob.com. Happy to answer any questions there. Um, and then in the, the Twitter sphere, uh, KCA. All right. We'll make sure that those get into the show notes so everyone can follow along. Casey, this has been great. Thanks for joining the show. Of course. Thank you both. That's been The Exchange, presented by Loop, the returns platform for Shopify. Thanks for listening.